Friends, the uh, the Western Conference is in a bit of a state of upheaval. A lot of teams are making moves, some of them wise, some of them not so much. We're going to take a look at the biggest winners and losers of the Pacific Division offseason, see which of these uh, squads out West have actually made significant changes for the better, and which ones might be better off just not having done anything. All coming right up on tonight's episode of Locked On, Winnipeg Jets. Or Locked On the Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to tonight's episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thank you so much for choosing to make Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so is completely free of charge and ensures you never miss another episode. But most of all, we just really love and appreciate your support. Tonight's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. BetOnline. It's where the game starts. On tonight's show, I had a couple of uh, topics of discussion. Uh, The first and the main one that is going to be the core of tonight's show is going to be taking a look at, of course, winners and losers from the Pacific Division in terms of major offseason changes. But before we get into those teams, uh, there was a brief update from the Winnipeg Jets. Mason Appleton has signed for three years at a little over $2 million. Now, I've seen some stuff on uh, Twitter and social media about this deal. Some people are kind of happy about it. Some folks are sort of ambivalent. Um, and I'm probably more on the ambivalent side. I think in the past, Appleton showed flashes of maybe some of that top six skill that Andrew Kopp was famous for. But I think the biggest thing with Appleton is that he's only ever shown it in flashes. Uh, in terms of being like a consistent performer, I just don't think we've really seen enough in his game to, I, I would say, get excited about this deal. It's not a, a contract that necessarily hurts the Jets, but it's also not one that really strengthens them in any partic- any particular way, right? Um, oftentimes with deals like these, these are guys that in the past the Jets were pretty decent at acquiring, but you don't want to put a lot of money into uh, into your depth players. There are some that you should pay for, but for the most part, especially guys who might be more like four, you know, fourth liners or something, there's just not really a lot of sense in uh, extending with term at a, a fairly decent cap hit for a guy in that kind of role. So my overall thoughts, I'm, I'm not really uh, super upset about it. I'm also not really excited. It's just sort of, again, ambivalence. But I've seen some people who are just kind of pissed because, to be honest, there's not really else the, the Jets have given us this offseason. So uh, this is one of the few contracts they've actually handed out, and I wouldn't say it's particularly ideal, but it is what it is. Um, it'd be nice if the Jets actually acquired somebody else, maybe through trade or, I don't know, signing free agents at some point, but I don't think we're going to be getting much of anything for the next few weeks. So yeah, sit tight and just hope for the best. Now, while the Jets may not exactly have been super active in the free agency market and stuff, that's not been true elsewhere across the uh, Central and Pacific Division. Now, we've already taken a look at the, the Central Division. I gave you my thoughts on who I thought had really good off seasons. 
Um, and now it's time to take a look at the, you know, the, the Pacific Division, which is one that I think a lot of folks have maybe overlooked. But I would actually say out of the two conference or like the two conference divisions, the Pacific is the one that I think has the potential to really upset uh, the cart, I guess you might say. And looking at the Anaheim Ducks first off, this is a team that I would say has probably had a solid-sized W of an offseason. One of their most recent moves brought in John Klingberg for a year at $7 million, which, look, it's a lot of money. But in terms of just a one-year contract, this is definitely the kind where you're looking at it as a, a deadline flip, right? I think Klingberg at the trade deadline could be a huge asset because a lot of people will sort of look at his offensive scoring ability and think to themselves, yeah, you know, for your power play or something, that's a very decent ad. Do I think Klingberg is the kind of guy that I would want the Jets to pursue at the trade deadline? No, but I could definitely see them trying for it if uh, they feel he would be a fit under, um, you know, Rick Bonus's uh, coaching and tutelage. But I think there will be a lot of teams that see that name and think of his skills and, you know, certainly a reduced cap hit at the deadline, plus maybe some retained salary. I think a lot of people might be into that. And I think that that was actually overall a pretty smart move from the, the Ducks. But, you know, certainly looking at the rest of their moves, they drafted Mintukov. Um, of course, they also brought in a couple of free agents in uh, Frank Vertrano for three years at around three and a half million or so. And then Ryan Strom at five by five. Now, the, the Strom deal, I'm a little bit less excited about. I don't know that that was necessarily the most uh, ideal use of assets um, and certainly cap space. But I mean, look, the Ducks are going to have to hit the cap floor. They're not a team that expects to compete anytime soon. And they did have some money coming off the books with Getzloff leaving and some of the other departures on the back end and stuff. So overall, I think the Ducks have had a, a, a solid B+. I think that this is a team certainly uh, long-term in the ascendancy. It's going to be a while before I think this squad gets gets to be particularly good. But, you know, in the meantime, you're, you're stockpiling some assets that are movable. I think Vetrano would be a very good rental for somebody. Uh, not necessarily like a rental rental. He, he does have term on his contract. But, uh, you know, at three years, uh, a little over $3 million per season, that's a really good value deal for a great finisher. And look, Vitrano might not bring a ton else, but in terms of being a, a natural goal scorer and a good finisher, I'm sure somebody would give Anaheim some decent assets. And, you know, over, overall, I would say the Ducks have done well enough. Uh, Mintukov's a great ad. Their draft, I, I had some mixed thoughts on the draft. Overall, it, I thought it was okay. Um, aside from Mintukov, I wasn't really... Uh, you know, blown away by some of their other draft picks. But again, solid offseason. I would give it a B, B plus. Uh, I think that they did enough. And, you know, long term, this team could be a real pain if they start to uh, acquire assets and maybe even add a few decent uh, longer term prospects at the next trade deadline. Now, of course, they're not the only team that's been pretty active. Again, the Pacific itself has been making lots of deals. And we'll take a look at one of their other big teams uh, in Calgary, which has had quite the offseason. Not exactly a popular one for a lot of people, but an active one nonetheless in just a little bit. Before we go any further, though, I do want to shout out one of our wonderful partners at uh, Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day, and I started taking uh, AG1 because I was looking for a boost to my immune system and, and something to start off my day uh, with, with the right boost, uh, a little bit of a gut health stuff, and certainly some wonderful vitamins, nutrients, and minerals. But of course, you know, I'm used to taking protein bars and all sorts of pills. And AG1 is one of the rare products where you don't have to worry about any of that stuff. 
It's just a, a single delicious scoop of AG1 that's packed in, uh, loaded with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Obviously, you know, you're wondering what any of this stuff does. And if you're, you know, curious about what AG1 is for, it's supposed to give you a great immune system boost, get your day started right. And it's, you know, a very small habit that brings a lot of big benefits. You'll have all of the vitamins and minerals and nutrients that you would get with tons of pills. But again, it's just one scoop. All you have to do is just, you know, stir it into your water and it actually tastes pretty darn good. And, you know, if you're worried about all of the stuff that usually comes in different drink mixtures and stuff, AG1 has been custom designed to fit just about every single lifestyle, whether you're looking for keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, all that fun stuff. AG1's got you covered. And again, there's no GMOs, no nasty chemicals. They try to make a product that's suitable for everyone, and it costs less than $3 a glass. It's uh, investing in your uh, your daily healthy habits. It's better than uh, a cold brew, and it's also a lot cheaper. And again, you know, with over 7,000, you know, plus five-star reviews, it's used by plenty of people, myself included. And again, small habit, great flavor, and it really can help support your body uh, and your immune system, especially during these times when we're dealing with like a lot of different viruses and stuff going around. Having that extra layer of insurance and immunity uh, is certainly something that I think is really important. And having an immune system that can fight off all this stuff, you really can't go wrong there. It's, It's a worthy investment in both time and money. So if you're ready to get started right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every single day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We are taking a look at, uh, of course, the biggest winners and losers of um, the Pacific Division off seasons. We took a look at the Central Division last week or maybe the week before, and I thought it would be a wise opportunity to take the time and look at how the Pacific you know, Division is doing because obviously the Jets will be seeing plenty of these teams. And honestly, I think the Pacific has actually had quite a bit more action than even the Central Division, which is maybe a little bit of a change of pace. Uh, of course, before we go any further, again, just wanted to say thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now, taking a look at one of the other teams in the uh, in the Pacific, we've got the Calgary Flames. And the Flames, wow, very odd offseason uh, by all uh, by all means, probably one of the strangest offseasons, in part because they lost Matthew Duchuk, they lost Johnny Goudreau. And while they did, you know, get some pretty decent assets in the uh, in the Duchuk trade, you kind of have to ask what exactly has happened since then. Well, to answer your question, uh, Jonathan Huberto got extended for eight years at around $10.5 million. And honestly, this is a very bad contract just off the bat. I know that Huberto has been thought to be, I guess, the replacement, so to speak, for Goudreau or Tuchuk. But let's be real. While Huberto might play the same position out wide, he's not really anywhere near uh, either of those players in terms of on-ice impact. I think that his recent scoring prowess has probably been more attributed to, you know, the Florida Panthers being as good as they are, a very high octane offense and all that stuff. Um, But I I just don't really see how this contract makes a lot of sense for what the Flames are looking for. 
I think, you know, this was done out of desperation to try and figure out some sort of a short-term competitive window. But honestly, this deal is going to age very poorly pretty quickly, I would imagine. And look, I, I get it from Calgary's perspective. You just lost two of your star players. You're looking for something to try and grab the fans and, you know, just hope that in some desperate move, you can extend your competitive window a little bit longer. But honestly, man, it's it's not looking great. You know, on the flip side, though, they got Oliver Shillington signed for two years at around two and a half million per season and Andrew Mangiapane signing for three years at a little over five million per season, around five and a half or so. Not all bad news for for Calgary, but, you know, generally speaking, it's pretty dire. Uh, you know, the, the guys that they drafted, I don't I don't know that they had a particularly great um, number of players coming in. And the the players that they've let go, I mean, that's a ton of top six scoring value. So, yeah, given the uh, given the losses, a little bit of uh, a little bit of misfortune because not all of this was in their control. But the stuff that happened afterwards, you know, definitely was. And I, I kind of have to ding them for that. So I would give them probably a C minus to a C. I think it's been really rough. And I, I didn't just pick C because it's, you know, C for Calgary. But it's it's not been a great offseason. Let's be real. On the other side, of course, we've got another Albertan squad in the Edmonton Oilers, and I don't really know what the Oilers are up to, to be honest. I mean, their main thing was probably just trying to figure out the goaltending, which I, I guess they did. They brought in uh, Jack Campbell for five years at $25 million, which I, I don't know that I love necessarily. I think Campbell has shown flashes of being an NHL starter, but not anywhere near enough for me to want to sink that much money in term into a deal. And I know people will say, oh, five million if he pans out per season is not that bad. But what are the odds that he does? He's like, what, 30-ish or so? And he's had a very limited NHL sample size of success. So for me, I, I just don't know if that's really that ideal of a contract. I mean, it's probably movable at some point. But if you're Edmonton, you don't really have a lot of cap space to work with, period. So having Campbell on the books is pretty expensive. They've also brought in Calvin Pickard for like two years uh, almost at league minimum. And I think Pickard is probably expected to be an AHL starter or something. Uh, certainly not an NHL backup. I think, uh, you know, longer term, they might have one or two prospects that they want to take that role. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, their goaltending depth is not great. Campbell is supposed to be the guy going forward, but who knows if that's going to really pan out. They also did uh, re-sign Evander Kane for four years at a little over $5 million. Uh, you know that I'm not a personally a big fan of Kane. In terms of like just contract value, I guess this is fine. Uh, they finally found a top six finisher who can be an absolute pain to play against and certainly one that slides in alongside McDavid. But yeah, I I, <laughs> uh, I have a lot of thoughts about that on a personal level, but we'll not get into that for now. I will say that they have made one or two intelligent signings. I think, you know, Brett Kulak at four years for... Um, a little under three million per season. It's like two point seven five ish or so, uh, almost three million per season. That's really good value, very good business. A contract that I can definitely get behind. I think that that's a smart signing. And uh, Kulak for me would have been one of my players to try and acquire before he ended up resigning. So good on them for signing a great uh, defender, a very good mobile puck moving D. And they also got Yesapoya Yarvi signed for one year at three million. Jets go get Puya Yarvi right now. Uh, they they really can't even give him away for some reason. So if the Jets could swoop in and acquire what is a really good transition winger, I would be super thrilled and very happy about it. But 
Um, I guess the Oilers have tried to figure out most of their, their biggest weaknesses. I don't know that they've really fortified the depth all that well. I mean, they brought in Janmark and uh, re-signed some of their RFAs and stuff, but again, not really anything super exciting. So I'll just give them like a B minus. I think that that would probably make the most sense. They've gambled a lot on Jack Campbell. And honestly, uh, for me personally, I'm just not sure. I think that's going to work out, but you know, it is what it is. Worst case scenario, they'll just have another sub 900 or, or sub 920 goalie, which they're pretty used to at this point. Mike Smith has certainly, you know, put up decent numbers in a lot of the right areas, but in those moments when you need him to kind of clutch it up and not let in a really big softy, he's kind of struggled with that. Now, we have a few more teams to talk about. San Jose, Seattle, Vancouver, and Vegas. Might not get to all of them tonight. Uh, we might cover it on another episode if if there's a lot that we need to get through. But before we advance and talk about a few extra teams from the Pacific, I do want to shout out one of, one of our other wonderful partners. They are uh, our, our fine friends at Built. And if you've ever heard me talk about Built Bars before, you know that this is one of my favorite products from them. I've had, uh, like I mentioned earlier, talking about AG1, I've had a lot of uh, protein bars and stuff. And, you know, a lot of them for me are just not that tasty. Um, I personally don't love most protein bars because they're dry, nasty. And, you know, given the flavors and not great quality, a lot of them are actually pretty laden with calories and fats and stuff. So if you're not really looking for that, and if you want something that's more like a candy bar with a 100% real chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior, you should check out Built Bars right now. They've got tons of great flavors, uh, including one of their brand new ones, Cookie Dough Chunk Puff, which if you've ever enjoyed having uh, a jar of cookie dough, let's be honest, I'm sure more than a few of you have done that. Uh, and who would lie and say they haven't because cookie dough is delicious? Well, you might still be worried about the guilt that comes with it. Well, Cookie Dough Chunk Puff takes all of the guilt away with only 160 calories, and it's packed with 15 grams of protein. So it's great for you. Uh, it's great for every lifestyle, whether you're looking for something before a workout, maybe a breakfast replacement, uh, or something before you head to the gym, uh, maybe even a snack for your kids as they're heading to school. No matter what you're looking for, Built Bars are perfect for every occasion. And again, if you can't choose just one flavor to check out, be sure to try their variety box, which comes with up to 12 different flavors, so you'll get a whole new uh, flavor sampling and find one that you love personally. To get started, be sure to go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15 at checkout, and you'll get 15% off your order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off your order at Built.com. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of Locked On Winnipeg Jets. We are uh, closing out some thoughts on the Pacific Division. Uh, obviously, a number of these teams have been very active, making changes uh, to their rosters. And some of these last few teams, you know, they've done some stuff, some interesting stuff. Uh, I'm going to fly through at least one or two of these just because I feel like my analysis of them is going to be pretty low end, I would say. Uh, the first team that I'm going to go quickly through is San Jose. I think the Sharks have done okay. Uh, most of the, most of their deals have mostly been on the more depth side. They are taking some interesting punts on guys like Kapo Kakinen. He has signed for two years at a little over 2.5 million per season. It's more like 2.75 overall, not a huge contract, but an interesting gamble because they don't really have any notable net minders to draw from. They also did get rid of Brent Burns, which is probably their biggest move. I think getting him off the books and, uh, just trying to find some value in terms of cap space obviously an all right move here. Um, other than that, mostly depth moves. They did bring in Oscar Lindblom, which should be interesting. 
Lindblom, of course, uh, you know, I was kind of shocked that they got rid of him out of uh, the Flyers camp, but I, I mean, the Flyers are just a whole disaster. So if ever I wanted to get picked up by a rebuilding organization, I would probably be okay with it being San Jose. They seemingly know what they're up to. Uh, I think that they've, for the most part, gotten decent drafts recently and made some smarter moves with some other depth signings. But, you know, overall, I would say it's probably like a, at a B level, you know, nothing too exciting, but certainly for the future, something to keep an eye on. In terms of the Vancouver Canucks, I mean, this team, uh, you know, their new front office management, I think, has done a solid job. Their draft, I thought, was pretty good. They got uh, the Ketamaki and a few other decent prospects. They also drafted, apparently, uh, another guy named Elias Pettersson, which is kind of funny. This one is a defender, I believe, so uh, not the same position. But other than that, in terms of free agent signings, their big acquisition, of course, was Ilya Mikhaev. Uh, and Ilya Mikhaev, you know, signed for four years at a little under $5 million. I think that that's a pretty solidish contract. Uh, I don't know what he was actually projected to get, but Mikhaev had a really good run with Toronto and could be a really nice top six addition to this team. They also got guys like Brock uh, Besser signed to three years. Besser's deal being at three years for uh, almost 20 million total is is decently pricey. I am curious to know why uh, his deal is at 19.95 million. Uh, <laughs> seems like a very specific specific number. Maybe that's his birth year or something. But aside from that, you know, nothing too crazy for this team. I think mostly they're just trying to sort of ride it out, uh, cut bait with some of their bigger uh, contracts that they've unfortunately not been wise at spending a lot of money with. But overall, again, another team that I would probably give like a solid B, they picked up some guys who might filter in to their AHL squads or maybe even into their bottom six, didn't spend a ton of money doing it. And so far, it looks like the new regime has done a decent job of at least trying to get out from under the bending contracts. Now, the last two teams I think that are, are worth a deeper dive from the Pacific are Seattle and Vegas. Seattle, for me, huge win of an offseason, which they kind of had to have it because, let's be honest, uh, the initial season for them was pretty dreadful, but everything since then with this offseason has been pretty darn good. Uh, in terms of free agent signings, one of their biggest ones was bringing in Andre Burakovsky for five years at just over $5 million. Pretty solid contract. I like it a lot. I'm, I'm you know, personally a big fan of Burakovsky. He's a great goal scorer, a very smart player, and for a team that frankly does not have a lot in their top six and could use some real scoring punch, I think Burakovsky will very naturally slide in there. The only thing that you have to worry about a little bit is his injury history and how much longer he is going to be productive for. But at the cap pit that he's got with the cap ceiling raising in a few years, overall or uh, overall, it's not too bad. I think that that's a reasonable deal. Justin Schultz for two years at like $3 million per is kind of meh to me. I think he's all right. I don't know that he really helps that defense all that much. Uh, likewise, they've also brought in Martin Jones in net, which... Yeah. Uh, when it comes to goalie evaluation, evaluation, it seems like their free agent acquisitions haven't exactly been um, amazing. But I mean, what do you even say about it at, at this point that hasn't been said already? You know, if their goal is to at least tank, I guess not having any NHL caliber goaltending beyond, you know, maybe two backups is probably an all right way to do it. But for all of the issues that they've done with some of the lesser free agent signings, I've got to say that their draft was definitely a win. 
just getting the the big name, of course, being Shane Wright. Uh, already a massive victory for this franchise. Um, Wright falling to them was just an unbelievable stroke of fortune, and I'm sure that they're beyond thrilled. But they also got Jagger Ferkus, and I feel like that kind of went a little bit under the radar. Ferkus is a great prospect, somebody that I personally would have been very high on, um, would not have minded him coming to the Jets. But yeah, I mean, for all of these changes and for some of the you know, relatively decent signings that they've made, uh, and of course, the the trade for Oliver Bjorkstrand for a pretty cheap price. You know, all around, I would give this team probably an A minus. I think that this has been a pretty solid off season. Only a few moves that I haven't exactly loved, but overall, yeah, I think the the Kraken are shaping up to be a much more you know watchable squad next season. Now, the last team that I'm very interested in and kind of amused by is Vegas because their off season has been a very chaotic up and down whole thing that they've got going on here. Um, now their, their biggest move I would say so far was to jettison Max Pacioretty. They basically gave Pacioretty away with Dylan Coughlin for like future considerations because they just wanted to cut bait with his cap hit. But I mean, what exactly is their plan? I don't really know what this team is up to. Uh, they resigned Riley Smith for like three years at 5 million per. And uh, they also jettisoned, uh, Evgeny Dadanov, but I mean, I don't really understand what they're doing sometimes. I mean, you look at this team and how it's been run recently, and I feel like they just keep signing lots of really big contracts and then realizing like two years in, it was a mistake and trying to trying to dump the cap hits and paying people to take them. So, I mean, this team, look, I, I think it'll be a good one under Bruce Cassidy. I think that Vegas is going to be a dangerous and an annoying squad. But the way that they manage their roster is kind of a disaster. And for all the talent that they bring in, yeah, it's uh, it, it's not really been a great offseason for them. And, you know, Pacioretty kind of blasted the culture there saying it's a very uh, big boys club, you know, country boys club, very relaxed at times. The will to win maybe isn't nearly as strong there as some of the other teams he's been on. And who knows if it's really true. But given that it is Vegas, it wouldn't shock me. And so... I don't know. This this team's off season. Yeah, I'm gonna probably have to give it like a, a C minus or so. I think it's not really been ideal. And honestly, if you're cutting bait because you you made a really nice acquisition, but you realized that free agent signing is actually gonna really hurt your long term, um, and you basically had to give away a really ta- talented top nine player, I just feel like that's not good enough. And I think that this franchise long term has some big questions for me, but. You know, we'll see how uh, Jack Eichel does this season. This team could definitely still surprise, and I think they will still be pretty darn good out in the West, maybe even one of the top teams out there. But, of course, I'd be curious to know your thoughts on these teams. Who do you think has done well in the Pacific Division? Which teams do you think have made huge mistakes? Be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter and in the YouTube comments below. Give me your thoughts on these teams and which ones you think might be giving the Jets a lot of trouble in the very near future. For tonight's episode, that is going to be all the time that we have. Thank you so much for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. Be sure to make your second listen, Locked On NHL. Locked On experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. You'll be able to stay up to date on everything in the hockey world, all at the uh, the press of a button on your favorite podcasting platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Like, follow, and subscribe today. And as always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go!